0: it left for three in the win. Yes, Dion has done it. I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team all defense. First team all defense. I don't know about this, but Rihanna
1: just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: Welcome to a July 27th edition. Of the RotoWire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday evening. Nick Whalen, joined as always by Alex Barutha. We are presented by the exclusive sponsor of RotoWire Fantasy Podcast, WinBet. Check out winbet.com. Uh, Alex, just before we hopped on here, I saw a story. Um, I'm sure it was everywhere, but I, I read it in the score uh, that Jason Kidd back in 2014 once punished the Milwaukee Bucks because Thon Maker refused to get an iPhone and kept messing up the team's group chat.
1: Uh, How did it say how he punished the team? Did they make him run suicides?
2: I will read the exact quote. The story is from Caitlin Holroyd of The Score. Uh, Looks like it was excerpted from um, Jackson Thompson of Business Insider. Uh, Actually, it it looks like it maybe is from that Marin Fodder uh, book about Giannis. Either way, here's the quote. At one point, center Thon Maker did not have an iPhone, messing up the team's blue bubble iPhone group chat. Kid was upset about it and made the team run because kid felt that maker not getting an iPhone was an example of the team not being united.
1: Wow. Um. Sorry, I'm just processing. Yeah, take your time. I, yeah, I mean, I think. Um. Th- I mean, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. That that kind of sounds like one of those like insane like the stories you hear about the crazy CEOs of companies that just like lose their minds about like certain things, uh, that are completely irrelevant and um. Like stuff like that makes me not surprised that it took him so long to <laughs> be a head coach again.
2: Yeah, that's a strange one. I, I would, I would imagine that there is some lightheartedness to this. I mean, the the quote makes it seem like they were I, running, they were like running 20 suicides because of this. Like, there's no possible way that this wouldn't have come out earlier if they were like actually running for an hour. I, I would imagine it was partially a joke, but of course it's Don Maker who's the one who won't get an iPhone.
1: Yeah. Uh where is he now? I... That is a
2: very good question. I'm going to Google Thonmaker.
1: This is going to be a <laughs> yeah. live Google
2: job on the pod. Uh, not getting any initial results that indicate that he is close to an NBA return. I'll tell he, you
1: that. Well, he, he was under contract with the Cavs. He was. Yeah, he played eight games for the Cavs this season. Can't say I remember that.
2: Five days ago, he tweeted about the Bucks winning the title. Okay, actually, it would have been nice. You know, let, let's, let's transition to that. You and I haven't talked about the Bucks winning the title. <laughs> yeah. We won't go too deep on it. Um, it's been, you know, it's been a full week now, at this point. Uh, and, and we've covered it on a couple pods since. But I, I, where do you stand on the Brandon Jennings thing? Like, I I was like the biggest Brandon Jennings fan of all time. I really think I was in like the top 1% around the 2008 to 2011 period. And when he ended up on the Bucks, that was that was like the peak of my life at that time. Was he a little too involved?
1: uh maybe yeah um you know i mean the bucks and six thing kind of got out of control uh and i i don't know man like i i, I thought like i saw a tweet from a man i can't remember which accounts like ball is life or or one of those kind of accounts that was it had a picture of like Giannis and brandon jennings standing next to each other and it was like you know Jagging started the culture and, and no, got it was pa- passing it. the torch.
2: I think I saw that too.
1: It was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, what era of Bucks basketball? Like the, the thing is, you know, nobody, like so few people who like, there are a lot of bandwagon Bucks <laughs> fans now, right? Like you live in Wisconsin, you know that the Bucks were a completely forgotten about team for like decades. Like people would like laugh at you mm-hmm. if you brought up the Bucks you can't tell me that those people, like, Brandon Jennings did not do anything to change that. Like, the Bucks had, like, one good playoff series nope. that they almost beat the Hawks without Bogut. Um.
2: I, I was all for Brandon Jennings being involved, and I still am overall. I mean, I'm mostly joking about this, but I, I couldn't believe that he was in the parade, and, like, I, it, he might be on the roster next year. He might be in the front <laughs> like, office. I don't know. Like, but, like, where's Don here? Where's Zaza Like, I, I wish they would have brought back more of those guys from that, like, iconically bad era of Bucks basketball.
1: Well, they, I mean, they did have Brandon Jennings on the roster. They, they brought him back, in, remember, in 20, 2018?
2: Yeah. They brought him oh, back yeah.
1: and he played. So, like, I guess this is a continuation of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think it is. Let's look at some NBA futures odds. And and we've checked in on these periodically since they came out a few weeks ago. Uh, but we have some updates for uh, MVP, uh, Rookie of the Year odds are already out, despite the draft not happening yet. Um, and of course, we have title odds for next year, in addition to some stat leader, uh, scoring leader, rebounds leader, assist leader, three pointers leader. Uh, I touched on a few of those with Kenny last week, but we kind of ran out of time and uh, didn't go quite as deep as I wanted to. So I, I want to revisit uh, some of these. Let's start with the team futures, and unsurprisingly, Nets two to one at the top, Lakers five to one. Warriors 9 to 1, Bucks plus 950. Uh, and then after that, things get really interesting. I, I think you have a group of like 12 to 14 teams who, uh, you know, are, they range from the Jazz at, at plus 1500 all the way down to the Blazers uh, at, at plus 5000. So a, a fairly large range. But, uh, you know, outside of that top four, uh, which which I do agree with the odds, are, are probably the top four title contenders in some order. That's Nets, Lakers, Warriors, and Bucks. I'm almost more interested in, in unpacking that next year of of roughly 10 teams who uh, depending on injury luck, depending on what happens in the draft, depending on what happens in free agency, like any any one of those teams could kind of emerge as as this year's Phoenix Suns or, or this year's Milwaukee Bucks.
1: They could. Um or this year's Atlanta Hawks, which sure. like or who are on the board at 35 to 1. Um yeah, I mean that's a it's a tough group because a lot some of it is going to depend on free agency. Um like, you know, the heat, like the heat of Victor Oladipo around, like, are they going to bring him back? Is he going to be healthy like that? That complicates things. What are they going to do with Tyler Hero? Um, I can't imagine betting on the Trailblazers to win the title, even as a long shot. Um, so like that just seems like, you know, a bad place to put your money. But, there, you know, I, I can at least like see some interest in people being like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, the Hawks, the Heat, people who love Doncic would, mm-hmm. would be in on the Mavericks. Nuggets is tough because no Jamal Murray until probably the playoffs, So that to me also seems like kind of bad value, even even though it is, you know, 20 to one. I just I couldn't do it as much as I love the Nuggets.
2: Yeah, what's interesting is that if you it kind of depends how you view the Clippers, right? Because I think in the West right now, the Lakers and the Warriors, by virtue of the talent that they have, you know, the Warriors have have Clay Thompson coming back. They have two lottery picks. You know, they have a chance to improve. I think the Lakers almost by default are going to improve the roster over last year's, which I know sounds kind of silly because around this time last year, I was like all in on the moves that the Lakers made, you know, adding Harrell, adding Schroeder. I, I thought th- I thought the roster was like night and day better than the team that won the title that proved to be completely wrong. And, and I think they'll try to go in a different direction, actually put some playmaking, actually put some shooting uh, around LeBron and AD, but you know, the team that's been right there the last couple of years in the Clippers, I I, I guess they're accurately priced at 18 to one, but you know, you talked about Jamal Murray coming back and and I think there's a pretty good shot that he's back and starts to look like himself right around the time, the playoffs start, which is great news for Denver. I, can you say the same about Kawhi Leonard? You know, if, if there's one player who, you know, we know might might take his time when it comes to to rehabbing an injury or, or, you know, not want to push things. I, I feel like it's Kawhi. And, and the Clippers have come up short, you know, with him mostly healthy the last two years and obviously him getting hurt this year, uh, you know, really put an end to their to their run, and maybe they would have made the finals. But you know, he's a guy who's been kind of underratedly banged up throughout his career. He misses a ton of time even when he's healthy, and now you add a partially torn ACL to that. Like I I, I would not bet the Clippers whatsoever. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Kawhi comes back and looks good, but it's it's a little dicier than it's been the last couple years.
1: Yeah, eighteen to one seems like that's that does not seem like a value to me. Like I I think. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. And, like, I I think they are getting a bump from how good they played in the playoffs, right? Like, beating the Jazz, you know, when Kawhi went down in that series was crazy. They were competitive against the Suns. So I think that's still fresh in people's minds where they go, like, hey, maybe Paul George can, you know, actually, like, keep this team afloat and, you know, make things interesting. And maybe they can, like, somehow get the five seed and then Kawhi comes back. Like, it's just, but the problem with that is it's so many ifs. And I know any team that's going to be like 10 to one or uh, longer odds is just full of ifs. Right. right? Like that's a, that kind of comes with territory. But for me, that's that's too many with the Clippers and with the Nuggets and with the Blazers and teams like that who have like these huge built in question marks.
2: Right. And, and the Clippers, I think, had significantly fewer question marks the last two years and then. And you know, weren't super convincing um, as a legitimate, you know, title favorite or title contender in the West. And, you know, I, I think that what are the odds that that number comes down significantly, you know, throughout the regular season, right? Like, I think if anything, it could move the other way as we actually get news on Kawhi Leonard. Like, I, I think this number in some ways is is kind of conservative. Like if we, if we finally get a timetable and all of a sudden Kawhi Leonard's out 10 months and we're looking at best case scenario, he's back for the first round of the playoffs. I think that number probably shoots up into the into the you know plus 2500 range something like that um, and then you know maybe you consider it as a value play you know betting on Kawhi Leonard uh, whatever you want to call it but yeah at 18 to one I, I don't think there's a lot of value in the Clippers let's talk about the Suns who are at 15 to one they're on the same level as the Utah Jazz uh, for context the Sixers are at 16 to one uh, we just said the Clippers are 18 to one Denver 20 to one um, so the Suns have the or I guess they're tied for the fifth best odds. Uh, behind Brooklyn, LA, the Warriors, the Bucks, uh, and then again tied with the Jazz. How does that feel to you, based on what we just saw, based on what you see, you know, going forward, looking at the off season?
1: I think that's fine. I'm I'm a little surprised they aren't. Um, I feel like they could have shorter odds, but I think they are factoring in like um, Chris Paul's another year older, um, you know, like that some people are still going to think that they kind of got lucky getting through like uh, the Lakers because of Anthony Davis's injury, which is understandable. I think there are people who, um, you know, would have loved to see uh, like Utah place the suns. Like, I think, I think the jazz could have beaten the suns potentially. So I, I think this number does make sense. Um, I don't expect their roster to change significantly. I expect Chris Paul to be there again and, you know, Ayton will have another year under his belt and get better. And Booker should still be getting better. And a lot of their role guys like Bridges, Um, because they were really impressive throughout the whole playoffs. Like I know they lost four in a row to the Bucs to lose the title, but they were, they were really impressive. And like, they'll, they'll be a competitive team again. But I I think as as far as the title, as far as the title goes, it, it would be hard to like sit here and say like, yes, I, I, I'm a, a really strong Suns believer. And like, I really think they'll be back in the NBA finals.
2: My thought on this, and it doesn't really even have to do with the Suns or whether Chris ball's back or what other roster tweaks they make. It's just, it's kind of the argument for the bucks too. But I, I think with having a player like Giannis, your floor is, is just so much higher. You know, the bucks are, the bucks are going to be in contention as long as Giannis is healthy. He's now on that level. But with Phoenix, I felt like so many things went right for them or maybe more accurately. So many things went wrong for other teams for them to get as far as they did. You know, if they, if they end up losing in round one to a healthy Lakers team, I mean, what are their odds right now? Like 35 to one, you know, they're, they're they're not a 15 to one team. I I think there is some recency bias baked into this and, you know, not to take anything away from the Suns, I, I think they have a very good chance to be right there again next year, but a lot of things broke in their favor. And I don't think we can necessarily just pencil them in as like maybe the second or third best team in the West. They're in that mix, but I don't feel like there's a ton of value here. Like this is another number that I think as the season wears on, as maybe they have some some bad luck items that didn't you know happen to them last year. Maybe that number moves closer to the 20s. Uh, we'll see.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Well, What about Milwaukee at plus 950?
1: This is one that I am a little surprised it isn't um it isn't shorter. I think I mean I I think if it's not often that you uh, a team wins the title and then you can basically get them at 10 to 1 the next season, even right. even in the context of like the Nets being better or or presumably being healthy, right? Like we're assuming the the, the Nets come in healthy and you know the Seventy Sixers maybe switch things up with Simmons, and um, you know Atlanta is still good. Um, I, I I like the odds. It's it'd be hard for me to say like it's it's not intriguing. Like you know you you would right now assume that Nets Bucks would be the Eastern Conference Finals again.
2: Yeah, I agree, and. You know, the Bucks would probably need some luck in, in one way or the other, whether it's injuries to Brooklyn or, you know, Holiday or Middleton having the series of their life to win that series. But it's not inconceivable. Like the gap between Brooklyn and Milwaukee is there, but I, I don't think it's, you know, it's not like the gap from the Warriors to the rest of the West was when they were at their peak. Like, I, I don't think this Nets team is quite on that level. And, you know, for them to be on that level, they need all three of those guys to be fully healthy I mean, Kyrie Irving has played 54, 20, 67, 60, 72, and 53 games in his last six seasons. Like he, he really can be penciled in for 15 to 20 missed games at this point, and and that's a concern. And if if those missed games happen at the wrong time, like they did this year, all of a sudden the Nets, you know, suddenly don't really look like that plus 200 title favorite. So I, I you know, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that things are as wide open this year as they were heading into last year because. You know, at, at this point in the calendar last year, James Harden was not on the Nets. They weren't as much of a super team. Um, I, I think the Nets are the rightful favorite, certainly. I, they're, they're where I would put my money. Um, but the Nets, like, for, for being the favorite, both both the Nets and the Lakers at 5-1, to one, like, both those teams have some pretty significant question marks from an injury perspective. And, and while I like the Nets roster overall, like I, who knows what the Lakers roster is going to look like. If, if for some reason they add Russell Westbrook, which we'll get to that maybe later, but how that could even be possible... I don't know if that makes me like the Lakers better as a title as a title contender.
1: No, uh not necessarily. And I was looking quickly at the Warriors when they were in 2017-18 before that season, uh they were minus 187 to win the title. Just wow. for some perspective on um you know how heavy of you know favorites the Nets are relatively speaking or how uh, far ahead of the field they are. But yeah. Um yeah, I mean the Lakers. The Lakers have some work to do, just in terms of. I mean, obviously Anthony Davis is injury prone, like you mentioned. LeBron has been kind of slowing down lately in terms of, you know, he's not on the court every single game. Um, their roster just like didn't work in the end. And you mentioned the shooting. I mean, it's 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 interesting to me because uh, this is kind of one of the things that I thought was, um, really uh, compelling about the Bucks championship was the Bucks from an on-court perspective and off-court as well like i they were they were kind of the antithesis of like the modern nba right like the modern nba is you get a high draft pick or you get like this uh you know perimeter oriented superstar and you shoot a ton of threes uh it's a big 3 everything like that and the Bucs just kind of won by playing like uh they just they shot terribly from 3 they pounded the paint they played really hard defense they rebounded and the the Lakers, who, like, uh you know, the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they could not do the same thing. They needed the three-point shooting, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a bizarre, um, I, I don't know how to say it, like juxtaposition, where it's like we're saying, like, the Lakers need all this of three-point shooting, and the Bucks won the title without it, essentially. That
2: is true. I mean, I, it's what's interesting is neither of those teams are necessarily trying to play that way. Like they both want to hit threes. <laughs> well, they, both, they both took a ton of threes. They just didn't hit them. You know, it's not like there was this mandate of like everybody, all we're doing is layups and mid-rangers. You know, it was just like they're just missing every open shot. And and those were, for a lot of the playoffs, those were the two worst shooting teams uh, statistically. I mean, the Lakers were atrocious in that round one series uh, against Phoenix. And, and the role players were mostly responsible for that. So I, I think we do see a restructuring around those guys. Um, LeBron is mostly his own doing because he's like, he has so much sway. I think in terms of who fills out like the seven through 12 spots on his roster, he's just like never had a great gauge for who, who should be around him. Like a couple of those Cavs teams during his second time in Cleveland, I thought were built really well, but for the most part, like he's, he just doesn't really seem to have an eye for what he needs around him to maximize himself. And and, like Westbrook would be the worst possible high usage (laughs) player to put around those guys. Like Watching the Lakers in that first round against Phoenix, like the last thing you'd want to add to that team is a Russell Westbrook type of point guard. So I, I'm hoping and praying uh, that that does not happen. Is there a team on this list uh, anywhere from the top to the bottom that you feel is, is a really nice value just because you think they have a move coming or you, you think they're going to be you know significantly better than they were last year? And you have to keep in mind, like they have to actually win the title you know, for, for this to pay off. You can't just say, well, I like the Grizzlies at plus 10,000 because... I think they'll be better this year. Like the Grizzlies aren't winning the title. Maybe they could win a playoff series. They're not winning the title. Like, is there is there a team on here, let's say outside of the top six or eight teams uh, in, in terms of the odds that you think, you know, could legitimately, you know, be in the position that the Hawks or the Suns were in this past year, where they're a win or two away from the finals?
1: Well, if we're talking like that kind of top end of the six or eight, it would be Philly. I know that's kind of like borderline, the restriction that you put on it uh just because Embiid is so good, yep. you know, that like I think if they, if they get the right roster around him, that it again would not be shocking if they won the title because he's so dominant. Um Beyond that. I mean, I don't think there's too many other options. I mean, I think the Celtics are intriguing, you know, I mean, if they can, if, if Horford's good for them, if they could somehow get someone else, you know, uh, 50 to one is pretty nice for them. And honestly, I, I just, I like the Hawks again, kind of like, I don't, I don't think they'll win the NBA title, but considering how far they got this year, you know, more experience under their belt, DeAndre Hunter should be back. Maybe they can do something else with the roster. Like maybe they can trade some of their depth for more, like, you know, and maybe like one more kind of, you know, difference maker. Um, I, I, I like them as well. 35 to one. Who do you like?
2: Boston is one that jumped out uh j- just because they have the, the the option I guess to to make a move if they want um you know they they kind of back themselves into a corner with the Hayward deal and then the Kemba deal um and you know kind of having to take a loss on that and bring in Horford so there are some obstacles for Boston but know, at, I mean, at plus 5000 you're not going to get the Celtics at a better price I think that's one that probably goes the opposite way and comes down as the season goes on um you know Miami at 35 to 1 is interesting just because they're always that team that you think maybe has a move. I don't know what that move is, but they always seem to find a way to at least be in those discussions. And you know, it felt like a lot of things went wrong for them last year after basically being the Suns of two years ago. Uh they they essentially ran it back and and it, they kind of did that. This is a basically a case in point of what I think could happen to the Suns. Um, you know, where you don't you, you all of a sudden you don't catch a few breaks and it, it in retrospect can kind of seem like a run to the finals as a flash in the pan. Um, so 35 to one, I think for a team that, you know, could conceivably, uh, try to, to make an effort if, if someone like a Kawhi Leonard were to be available, uh, they'll be in the market for, for DeRozan, they'll be in the market for Lowry. Um, you know, there, there's something there at least with Miami and where, where other teams in that range, you know, Dallas, um, Portland, Toronto, New Orleans, like those teams either feel a little too far away or they just don't have a path to really getting significantly better.
1: Yeah, this is the this is the part that's tough to say like before free agency and the draft, um, right? You know, because you're you're kind of assuming that these teams are the same. Maybe they'll make a move, um, but yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, it's you know, Adebayo is really good. Butler is really good. You know, you kind of worry about injuries with Butler, but um, they, I mean, I, I think they have to. I mean, they're an organization that at this point, like, they're going to be aggressive, right? Because you have Butler who's not getting any younger and. You have to try to win now. Um,
2: Yeah. All right, let's go to scoring leader. Uh, We'll skip rookie of the year for now. James and I, I think we'll hit that uh, on on Wednesday's pod or uh, when we talk after the draft and we actually know where these guys land. But Brad Beal, the prohibited favorite at plus 275. Luka Doncic, plus 425. Last year's scoring champ, Steph Curry, 5-1. to You can get Lillard at plus 675. Embiid at plus 750. Zion, plus 950. And you have Giannis at ten to one. Uh, do you like any of those? Is there anybody further down who you would target?
1: So I do. I do like Embiid uh, at plus seven fifty because I think if again he's a guy if you um, if you build the right team around him and just kind of you can force feed him in the post and everything. Like I looked up his numbers without Simmons, he averaged like forty points per thirty six minutes without Simmons on the court this season. And it's like, obviously, if they trade Simmons, they're getting someone back. Right. But that's still very, I think that's very telling of what a, uh, you know, if you, if you build a coherent team around a beat, like what he could do. So I like, that's like my favorite kind of top end one. But I think my favorite bet on the whole of every future I've seen so far is Nikola Jokic to win the score, scoring title at 100 to 1. Um, (laughs) Not that I think he's going to do it necessarily, but no Jamal Murray. He was basically 30 points a game without Jamal Murray on the court. I looked this up for the article we did the other day. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's, you know, you you could reasonably expect to average 30 points a game being 100 to 1 to win the scoring title seems like insane value.
2: For context, Colin Sexton is 40 to 1.
1: Right. So So this is insane to me. I don't know why he's this low. This is something like I would just, I would, <laughs> I would put fifty dollars on it just because of the chance that like, I win five grand, like to me it's like, uh, it's hard not to like that bet. Um, so for me it's it's him as the long shot as the value I love, but also Embiid.
2: Yeah, I, I think if you're looking for a true long shot, that's great. Um, I mean, you can get you can get Kevin Durant at plus three thousand, which I I don't hate that. Um, I I don't even know if he met the minimum games requirement last year to, to be in the running. Um, but obviously he's always going to be up there as long as he's healthy. I think Trey young at 25 to one is really interesting. Um, and I think Zion at plus nine fifty. Yeah. you know, it, it still feels like Zion is, is kind of scratching the surface and, and he made some major improvements last year, but he, he still really doesn't have a jump shot at all. He still leaves a ton of points on the board at the free throw line. Um, you know, he finished eighth in scoring Last year, but he was only like three points per game uh, behind Bradley Beal and Steph Curry. Like if, if he just if he becomes like a 70 percent free throw shooter instead of a 60 percent free throw shooter, all of a sudden he probably finishes third in scoring last year and he's not plus 950. So if you're looking for like for like an upside play and someone who doesn't necessarily have to worry about like a major role change or, you know, with Curry, you have Clay coming back. I assume that's the reason he's five to one. Um, you know, Lillard. Who knows if he's even going to play the whole year in Portland? Like, I, I feel like Zion is like safe is not the right word, but at, at plus nine fifty, I, I think that's a fair price and, and a bet that I would probably take.
1: Let me. So, so I want to get your opinion. Would you? What do you think is better value, or what would you be more likely to take? Would you want Zion at plus nine fifty to lead the league in scoring, or at forty to one to win MVP?
2: Scoring leader. For sure, yeah. I, I don't think the team's going to be good enough.
1: <clears throat> That's a good point. I, I mean, they are kind of the trade they made the other day. You know, they're kind of. It seems like they're gearing themselves up to free cap room to maybe try to make a splash in free agency, right? Like I know Kyle Lowry's a name that came up.
2: Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I heard.
1: I forget what pod coach. it was. Somebody mentioned the Malcolm Brogdon trade. Ooh. Yeah, um, find that. Yeah, you get a new coach in there. Um, I mean, it does. You know, I mean he or his family is, is clearly putting pressure on the organization uh, in terms of building a team around him and making him the absolute number one focus. Um, And like, this has been an issue since, you know, he got drafted and he like seemed like he wanted to go to Atlanta. Um, And I just think new Orleans is going to be so absolutely desperate to give him everything he wants. and, Mm -hmm. And that includes on the court. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't result in wins. I think I'm with you. I'd rather have him have him as the scoring leader, but I think that's it. That just speaks to like the um, that's an argument in his favor, just in terms of like, right. I think I think next year will be like all about him.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly heading that way as long as he continues to stay healthy. And I think that was a really underrated positive from what was a pretty negative overall year for the Pelicans is that. Zion entered the year with, like, significant injury concerns and was pretty much healthy wire-to-wire wire until that that weird hand injury at the end.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he really, like... Uh, I think it was in, like, maybe February or something. Basically, when he they started handing him the ball at the top of the key and, like, let him run, pick, and roll, like, there was a really significant shift in in the way he played that resulted yeah. in him getting more assists. Um, but, like, his his end of the year, basically, like, his middle of the year onward... Was just insane, mm-hmm. um, you know, like thirty points a night on like sixty percent shooting, essentially, it's unbelievable. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's
2: making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action. With a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down, in blackjack. Slam the slots or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding, at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app. That's WinBet W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Where are we at on Steph Curry? Five to one. Like I mentioned, he, he led the league in scoring last year. Uh, now he drops down to the third best odds behind Beal and Doncic. Um, you know, not only is Thompson coming back, but you're you're adding t- potentially two lottery picks or, you, you know, maybe there's still a chance they could flip those and bring in another star. Um, so there are some kind of roster concerns uh, as far as how that could affect Curry's production. But I mean, if, you, if we're kind of thinking that we're going to revert back to the pre-Durant Warriors, Curry won the scoring title his final year before Durant arrived. And that was fully healthy clay. That was a 73 win year. Curry averaged 30.1 points per game. Uh, the previous season, he finished sixth. Um, even in, in 2018, 19, he that's with Durant on the roster, he finished fifth. Uh, it's not like this just knocks him out completely. Having Clay Thompson back, and and we don't even know what Clay's going to look like. You know, maybe his minutes are limited. I I think getting Curry at five to one is actually a pretty decent value.
1: It makes sense. I mean, I I, I think it's a fine bet to make. Like, um, you mentioned, yeah, he I mean, he obviously led the score uh, league in scoring last year. No, I think. I think it's fair to question, like you said, you think got new guys coming in, Clay Thompson's coming back. So maybe, you know, he's taking more shots. I mean, what really happened with Curry is, you know, later in the year, he just started getting in a good way, like completely selfish, right? Like he was just shooting as much as possible. Like how many points, because he was just trying to drag them out of the mud. And like he, Curry had to save the Warriors, right? I think that was yeah. why he averaged 32 points a game as a 32 year old. He just absolutely had to save them. And so I think the question for this upcoming season is, will he be in that position again? Will he just continue to play like that? Like, um, will he not feel like he has to be in that position anymore? I would love to see him do it. Um, so yeah, I think a five to one, I think that's fine.
2: All right. I don't want to talk about rebounds unless you have some really strong feelings about (laughs) that.
1: Uh, I don't think I do. I can't say I've, I've, uh, looked through the list, uh, the the entire list and like you know i mean and be 22 to 1 uh but i i
2: I haven't done any research on this so i don't even want to comment that that might be a good bet it also might not be i don't know (laughs) i would just i would just blindly bet clint capella every year and he's a favorite at plus 130 assist is a little more interesting and you know westbrook has dominated this category in three of the last four years he had 141 more assists than anyone else uh last year i believe it was chris paul uh, who is number two? So it really wasn't close. He, he is the favorite, but not by a ton. He's plus 100. Uh, James Harden plus 145. Obviously, Harden was pretty much knocked out of the race last year between switching teams and, and missing a ton of time. Uh, you have Trey Young at five to one. You got Luca at six to one. Chris Paul eleven to one. Jokic thirteen to one. Uh, and then two years ago is assist champ LeBron James at seventeen to one. Uh, I, I guess the question first and foremost is like, is Russell Westbrook going to have another one of the monster statistical seasons that he's had more often than not over the last five or six years, or are there enough factors around Westbrook, whether it's injuries, age uh, potential to change teams uh, that that would make you maybe look elsewhere here?
1: I, I am not going to bet on Westbrook anymore. You know what I mean? I I just think like, you know, he took it last year for a, awful Wizards team that, well, I mean, they almost, (laughs) they almost ended up like in the playoffs. But um, I just, I I wouldn't have confidence in that bet. Like, I just, I I don't like it at even odds. I like, I'm sorry. I just, I think there are too many other factors. Like, I think they would ideally want to trade him. Um, I, I, I just don't necessarily like it. And I don't, I don't like Hargan at plus 145 either, because I think, Kyrie and Durant are going to touch the ball too much um, for Harden to to realistically average like 10 assists a game I mean Harden had a, a pretty wild streak
2: I feel like, like kind of right when he hit the ground running with the Nets where he was just putting up insane assist totals he was shooting a lot less um, it almost seemed like he was just like trying to see how many assists he could rack up every single night but either Durant or Kyrie was out for like seemingly every one of those games so I, I still don't feel like we got a, a, like a a really representative sample of what Harden is going to look like with both of those guys healthy. But from from mid-January through uh, mid-March, 27-game sample, Harden averaged 25.7 points, 11.5 assists, 9.1 rebounds. So he would have been, you know, if if you prorate that for the entire season, he would have been just behind Westbrook in terms of assists per game. So it it kind of depends. Like, do we get that version of Harden when all three are healthy? I'm inclined to think that we do. Um, but at the same time, we just talked about Kyrie probably missing 20, 25 games over the course of the year. And during those games, Westbrook or uh, Harden probably has to go into more score first mode. Um, and that, that obviously you know brings down his average. It's tough. It's, it's really tough. I, I feel like there's a reason that both these guys are, are such heavy favorites at the top. Um, but it's, it, it's a little more cloudy, I feel like, than usual. Is there any, anyone outside of that top two that you would feel comfortable targeting?
1: Well, I mean, I would rather have LeBron at 17 to one than Harden yeah. at plus 145 because LeBron can do the same thing. He can kind of sit back and just pass all the time. Right. And get his 10 assists. Um, I mean, LaMelo ball at 35 to one is interesting just because he's such a gifted passer. I think the problem with that is, you know, his passes are, are, are usually a lot more like he racks up a lot of flashy passes more than he does like massive assist totals, I mm-hmm. think. Um, But yeah, those are, I mean, Ben Simmons, 60 to one. It's possible.
2: I mean, if everybody talks about him landing in this ideal situation where, you know, it's probably a rebuilding team and he just kind of gets to to run everything and and they play around him. I I have no idea if that's going to happen. I don't know if that situation actually exists in real life, but if it does, I mean, I I don't know, that's worth a stab at 60 to one.
1: I think it is. I think I think looking down the list, that is the farthest that I would go down the list, unless you wanted to try to get crazy with Lonzo at one hundred and thirty to one as a insane long shot. I think I think Simmons to me is like the last value on the board at sixty to one. Because yeah, if he does get on that team uh, and they they build it around him for him, like it's I think it's feasible for him to average ten eleven assists a game.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, again, if you're if you're really searching for a long shot, not something that you're necessarily counting on happening, but um, as is the case for pretty much all of these futures, like there, there's value in betting some of the favorites, but it, it's a lot more fun when, like you said, you can put down one dollar and make sixty dollars instead of putting down one dollar <laughs> and making one dollar on on Russell Westbrook. Um, any any thoughts on made threes leader, or is this just Steph Curry and move on?
1: Uh, it's. Probably Steph Curry and move on, but Lillard is also interesting to me. Um just because he's the I mean he's the other guy, right? Like that just like completely fires up threes and can average, you know, 30 a game, essentially. Right. So he's plus three eighty. So that that would be one that would interest me. But other than that, no, I don't think so. It's actually kind of
2: interesting that like a big four has emerged these last few years. Like it's either Curry, Lillard, healed, or Duncan Robinson. And like no one else, like the next, who who do you think is next highest in the odds? If you're not looking,
1: I am looking. I'm
2: okay, sorry. well it's Malik Beasley, which like that, <laughs> it would have taken me 50 guesses uh, to think, oh yeah, it's probably Malik Beasley, the fifth best shooter in the league. Uh, and obviously Clay has a good chance to to rejoin uh, that tier this year. But it, like it, the volume that those guys put up, especially Curry and Lillard, and and honestly he's not that far behind. But like those three guys, like it's. You could be a better shooter, quote unquote, but like those guys are just taking so many that it's it's really hard to match. Who is taking that Malik Beasley bet? Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. That's I would like to see the like the behind the scenes specs on that. So if anybody uh, at the sportsbook can can get at us and let us know, like how how many people have like would you say less than ten? <laughs> yeah, for sure, probably. right? I think so. Like that's just that's just an insane like it, especially since there's one guy who like is so clearly. Like Stephen Curry is a bigger favorite to lead the league in threes per game than the Warriors were to win the title like that other that other number that you referenced earlier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the the yeah, the Warriors were, I think, minus one eighty seven to win the <laughs> title that year and Curry minus one sixty five. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a wrap.
2: We've touched on this a few times, so we won't go deep, but do you have any new MVP thoughts? Anybody who, to you, has, has either gained or lost momentum or you know, a new dark horse kind of emerged for you?
1: Um, you know, I mean, I think... I mean, Jokic is interesting at 15-1, to 1, Uh, you know, just because he won it this year and Murray's going to be out, so he's going to have to do, again, just as much, if not more, as he was doing this year. Um... You know, I like Embiid for the same reasons I discussed before, like Embiid and Jokic for the scoring titles. The same reasoning to me applies to the the MVP discussion. Um, Farther down the list, I mean, take him at 25 to 1. You know, if he can really turn into that guy that everybody thinks he is going to become, you know, um, then getting him at 25 to 1 to win MVP would be awesome. I don't know if the Celtics are going to be good enough, but we also discussed, you know, them being... Uh, 50 to one to win the title as being good value. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you, so do you think Paul George has any chance? 35 to one.
0: Chance. Same I, with I the
1: scoring scoring. Yeah, title yeah, I don't
0: love well
2: 35 to one, but I, I mean, assuming Kawhi misses most of the year, I mean, I don't know. It, it depends. Like, do we get the Clippers from the playoffs or do we get the Clippers that we thought we would see without Kawhi Leonard? You know, like if, if they're, if they kind of pick up where they left off, and, and obviously the roster is going to look a little bit different, but if the narrative is okay, the Clippers are the three seed and Kawhi Leonard hasn't played a game yet. And Paul George is putting up numbers like he was his last year in OKC. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I, I think, I think people would really like the, um, you know, the narrative of, of Paul George kind of writing the ship on his career that, that had gone a little bit sideways these last couple of years. So, I mean, in terms of guys in that like 25 to 45 range, like I would rather bet Paul George than Anthony Davis or James Harden or probably even Donovan Mitchell. I would rather bet him than Kyrie, who's at forty to one. I'd rather bet him than Morant at forty-five to one. Um, like the thing with George is that he he finished second in MVP voting not that long ago. Like we've we've seen that that he can get close. Like he's you know, even even that year, it was kind of a weird year. Like it, it never felt like he was actually gonna win MVP, but he's he's like he's been near the top of the voting and most other guys on that tier can't really say that.
1: Yeah, I I was kind of looking at him for the points per game leader because he's fifty to one there. Yeah, um, I like that. And yeah, he averaged twenty eight a game that season in OKC, but he was also he also had Westbrook on that team taking up usage as well, right? And now he doesn't have even anyone close to that when Kawhi Leonard's out. So again, if he can average thirty a game, he's in there.
2: Yeah, um, I, I I think I might almost like the points per game one more, but um maybe, maybe there's a parlay to be made there, like Paul George scoring leader
1: and MVP. I I had them both in like my bet slip, and I said you cannot do that. So they were uh, too good of a bet. Yeah, exa- exa- we exactly. We will lose too any- much
2: money. We cannot allow you to bet this, sir.
1: Is there anyone? Um, I also like how Jamal Murray has better MVP odds than like De'Aaron Fox, even though yeah. he has a torn ACL. What does DraftKings know that we don't? Um, I,
2: that's is, been the case since these came out. I don't know what's going on there.
1: Is there, uh, is there anybody on the MVP list that you think, you know, like that that you are more interested in, whether they're, you know, a favorite like Doncic or, like, uh, a, you know, a long shot?
2: I, I think Doncic has, like, a scorched earth season in him at some point. Like, he is going to win an MVP. I, I wish there was a – like, I wish the sportsbook offered, like, over 0.5 career MVPs somewhere that I could put down because it's going to happen. And maybe it happens this year. Maybe it happens next year. Maybe it's the year after. I don't know. Um, But like he just dropped 48 in an Olympic game. Those are shorter games. It's harder to score. They tend to be much lower scoring. Like he's, he, he can do it when he wants to. He's gotten off to these weirdly slow starts each of the last two years and then been really good in the second half. So if he can put together just a wire to wire great season I, I think you know there's a reason he's the favorite here at four to one, and that that's actually fairly decent odds. Um, I, I feel better since the last time we've talked about this. I feel better about Giannis just because he's going to have this overwhelmingly positive narrative going into next year. You know, there's there's going to be the is this Giannis's league thing that that's going to kind of permeate this, and and that comes with some pressure. And obviously he's won it twice. It's it's harder to win it when you've already won it, uh, especially back to back. But the Bucks, I, I think, are kind of the darling team of the NBA right now, and he's the front man for that team. And and if Milwaukee plays really well and he, you know, as long as he's healthy, the stats are always gonna be there. Um I, I feel like for Giannis, it's more about like pulling the narrative back. Um, because there was kind of a lull last year where all of a sudden the Bucks are this disappointing playoff team, he's this disappointing playoff player. Um uh, people start asking, should he have won back to back? Like all that is erased now that they have the title and and all the positive momentum is back. So I, I think Giannis actually has a pretty decent chance to add a third MVP, whether it's this year or next year.
1: Yeah, I think the question for Giannis is, is he going to try, you know, his absolute hardest and try to put up dominating numbers every single night? Um, or are they, is he going to be more content with, like, is for the Bucs now, is the regular season just like, we're going to work on stuff, right? you know? Yeah, it could
2: go it could go one of two ways. I mean, some some defending champions want to go hard and, and defend that title. Other ones just kind of slip into you know, wake me up when it's the playoffs.
1: Right. And that would that would be my main concern with Giannis. But I understand, you know, I mean, eight to one hard to feel like bad about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Giannis and Jokic, I think, are the two that I like the most. I mean, it, until they move the Jokic odds, like 15 to 1, it, it oddly feels a lot like, you know, after Giannis's first MVP you know, both of these guys in some ways came out of nowhere. And obviously there was a buildup from where they started to becoming an MVP candidate, but all of a sudden they won one and people were like, Oh wow. I, I, I guess Giannis is the MVP. And it felt like that same thing with Jokic where he kind of, kind of backed his way into the MVP. People were hurt, whatever. Uh, obviously the, the numbers were there. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. Like he was the rightful MVP. And then Giannis came back and did it again the next year and had an even better season and then, you know, at that point, people aren't surprised. So I, I don't think we can rule it out that Jokic kind of follows that same path.
1: I agree with you, man. Like, and that's that's why I found that scoring leader bet. Like, I, I think he could have an an amazing year. Um, I, I just don't, especially because, like, Jokic, too. You know, Michael Porter Jr.'s injury history is obviously mm-hmm. bad. Like, if Porter ends up out with Murray and it's just, like, Jokic and Aaron Gordon. Yeah. That's like. He 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 could be putting up, like, absolutely insane numbers every single night. Right. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll finish
2: out our futures talk with this. You have to give me someone at 50 to 1 or beyond who you, you have to give. Just make me, like, the one-minute case for why that player has a legitimate chance to win the MVP next season. Oh, MVP at
1: 50 to 1 or greater. Yeah.
2: I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting to be convinced and feel like, yes, he should be the favorite, but give me wow. somebody who, like, there there's, like, a somewhat realistic path for this to happen.
1: Towns, 90 okay. to 1. Um, He's, like, one of the best statistical, like, people who play fantasy know that Carl Towns is one of the best fantasy players out there. He puts up great numbers. He he's hyper-efficient on offense. Um. If the Wolves can somehow figure it out, which is a big if, if they can get like the six seed and Towns somehow has <laughs> if Towns has a scorched earth season in him, um, I think he can do it. I mean, he 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 puts up again, um, you know, he's he's last season. He averaged twenty five. He basically averaged twenty five, eleven and four and a half. So if he can, he kind of has to change a narrative uh, about his defense. But if the Wolves can find some success and maybe he can bump up to, you know, 29 and 12 with five assists or something like that, like those are basically Giannis numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 90 to 1. that would That would be my guy. Who's your guy?
2: I think that's a good one just because, like you said, the talent is there. And if he stays healthy, the numbers will be there. And ultimately, the numbers, I think, are probably the most important thing. With this award, it's it's a combination of being on a good team and having the numbers. But more often than not, I think the numbers win out. It's not like it just goes to the best player on the best team. Um, so I, I like Towns. I, I think I'll give a second to Julius Randle at 65 to 1. And I, I okay. really don't think he has a, a true chance to do this. But you look at the improvement that he made from last season to this past season. Huge improvement. I mean, he was a legitimate fringe MVP candidate uh, and, and received MVP votes. Now, making the leap from what he was this past season to the next level, I think, is the hardest leap to make. And I would bet against him making it. um, He's he's certainly coming in cold after that playoff series against Atlanta. It felt like that kind of erased everything that he did last season, fair or not. Um, But if he is another level to go up and all of a sudden the Knicks are, you know, they have another good year. They're third or fourth in the East. And it's kind of a a similar situation to last year where, where that team kind of rallies behind him and and he goes up another level i i think there's at least a chance you know he was in the conversation last year um and then the other guy is zach levine and this is kind of similar to towns i guess in some ways where for for several years now the numbers have been there you know he was a top 10 scorer last year made a huge leap uh, in terms of efficiency but he's just been on such a bad team that nothing good that he does matters and it's even gotten to the point and same with towns where even though the numbers and the efficiency are unassailable like, people just start to wonder, like, how, this team's not winning. Like, how does this guy score 30 a game on 50% shooting and 40% from three, and yet this team doesn't even make the play-in? And and I think the same goes for Towns. So, I mean, the, the, I guess the case for Levine is kind of the Paul George type of trajectory, where you look at Paul George's first season in OKC, 2017-18, he was an all-star, he only missed three games, but he averaged 22 points per game on 43% shooting. The next year at OKC, he plays literally the exact same number of minutes and jumps up six points per game to 28. So maybe, maybe Zach Levine has already made that leap. Maybe last year was his great year. Um, but if, if he can get to, like, 31 points per game and maintain that efficiency and, you know, Vucevic plays well and, and the Bulls are maybe a surprise team. Um, again, not not a guy I would, like, put real money on to win this award, but somebody who I could see being, like, in the mix, you know, in that like four to seven range when, when it's time for the final voting.
1: I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that that all makes sense. Like he had a hyper efficient year this season. Um, I mean, his, the thing is like, he's, he's such an insanely talented offensive player. And his athleticism Mm -hmm. is through the roof. Like if he can figure it out, like if, if something clicks for him, like you mentioned, combined with his athleticism, like, yeah, he could be one of the best players in the league. Um, and like it sounds crazy when we're saying that right now, but um, I don't think like buggy should be. I mean, he's already scoring t- like 27 a game, right? Like so.
2: Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like how much further can you really go at that point? But and his his last four seasons, his points per game have been 16.7, 23.7, 25.5, 27.4. So, I mean, it, it's been incremental improvement. And again, at some point, that's going to stop. He's not going to be averaging like 45 points a game at age 40. But, I mean, he's only 25. Um, actually, yeah. excuse me, he turned 26 in March. Uh, only 26. A, a guy who you know, has had some injuries early in his career that, that may have stunted his growth a little bit early on. But um, I, I think he still certainly has some room to improve. Where are you at on Team USA? Like did did you watch the game early Sunday? Uh, are you, are you pumped to stay up till I think it's an 11:40 local time tip off against Iran tonight? Uh
1: I did not stay up uh and watch it. I I I watch the highlights. I'm not like a Team USA guy. Um wow. Are you a Team France guy? Yeah. <laughs> uh no, I'm not a team not a team anyone guy. Um Yeah, I just like uh I don't know. Olympic basketball is fun. Like I think it's, I I, I think it's really cool to see like, you know, uh, like as many superstar players as possible out there. But I don't, I don't like. Um, <laughs> I'm not like living and dying by Team USA's performance. Uh, it doesn't like really affect. It doesn't really affect me if they lose or win. Um, don't know why that is exactly. But are you are you like uh, are you are you differently? Are you like a Team USA? complete. Are you, a die am I, am I, are
2: you asking me if I'm an American?
1: <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm trying to say without saying it. Yeah. Are you, are you a, are you a, a red plug American?
2: Yeah, no, I, in years past, I've been huge into team USA. I got, I got really, really into it in 2008 when they you know finally put together like a really good team with Kobe okay. and LeBron and, and CP. Yeah. Um, and then the 2012 team was pretty similar to, uh, you know, I feel like in 2016 I wasn't quite as engaged. and And then this year, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I definitely love watching the games. I always hunt down a stream, try to watch everything. Um, it's just, it's it's like, as somebody who loves the All-Star game, this is like the closest thing you're going to get to the All-Star game, uh, other game. than the All-Star game itself. So I, I try to make a point to watch. I mean, this this team is like decidedly not nearly as fun as some of the past Team USA teams. Like despite all these guys ostensibly wanting to be there, it certainly they don't play like they wanted to be there um it's almost like they they didn't realize what they were signing up for that's kind of what it looked like to me uh at the end of that game on sunday but i don't know if you've looked at the line team usa is a 41 point favorite tonight and they are minus minus eight thousand on the money line which means if you bet a hundred dollars on the usa money line you would pocket one dollar and 25 cents
1: you know uh it might be worth it i uh I think I, I think I would actually bet the the plus 40 points honestly yeah because um, you know but I I expect them to win uh so hopefully hopefully this can be like the uh the tune-up game for them maybe they'll have some, maybe they'll have some fun this game
2: yeah this is this is why I actually brought you on I just need to know who wins USA Iran straight up
1: I w- I would love to see you know like they, them get out to a big lead and then just feed Javel McGee yeah. Um, just absolutely see what he can do against Iran's best center. Well, do you know um, who their
2: best center is?
1: Um, I feel like I should, but I don't.
2: Ahmed Haddadi.
1: Oh man. He had a
2: double double in their first game. He's, he's like easily their best guy.
1: Um,
2: okay. so yeah, I, I, it's actually gonna be kind of fun to watch, but no, I was on the, the DraftKings show earlier this morning and they were, they were asking me to break down like the showdown contest for this game i'm like oh man man, i i don't know what to tell you like obviously i don't know anything about team iran but it's almost harder to pick like who are you captaining in that in that contest because like the obvious one is like durant or lillard but if this game goes like vegas expects it to go are those guys even playing in the second half like there's like a legitimate chance that javel mcgee or Keldon johnson or jeremy grant could be the number one dfs guy in this game
1: That is true. Yeah. Jeremy Grant, 40 point game or something. Olympic Jeremy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, it's going to be interesting. I I don't know what to expect. I I do kind of feel like I would take Iran to cover the spread. Yeah, that's just an insane sentence that I can't believe I'm saying on a a podcast. But uh, Team USA, that, that was that was discouraging. And obviously they'll bounce back. Obviously they they better win this game. I mean this would be this would take things to an entirely new level. Um, (laughs) but I just it's just not the same. Like it it was interesting. Pat Connaughton was on a pod this past year, and I don't know if he played for like you know like a a under 20 team or maybe he was in camp with Team USA at some point. But he actually had a lot of interesting insight on, on the international game and just how like how much different it is spacing wise and. Yeah, you know, I think all we hear about is like, oh, it's it's not refereed the same. Like these guys aren't getting calls, that's why they're losing. Like, I, I think the spacing is by far the biggest issue.
1: The spacing's different. There's a different ball. Different um, ball.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened when the NBA tried to change balls like ten years ago. That there was a revolt. I'm pretty sure they're doing that for this next year, right?
1: Well, yes, they're changing from Spalding to Wilson. Right. Um, but the, the issue was before they tried to change to composite leather instead of real leather. Yep and NBA players like lost their minds and yeah. said it was like scratchy or something. Yeah, um, I distinctly
2: remember Jason Kidd being the guy who was like, I cannot play with this
1: ball. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause that was like such an NBA move to try to be more like, you know, uh, animal friendly or something. And everyone was just like, this is not like <laughs> at what cost <laughs> we, we <laughs> like basketballs are not the issue here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, it is a different game. I, I I do I do kind of enjoy the physicality of it. I can understand why people would like enjoy watching. Um, like it's frustrating because a lot of people who enjoy basketball but complain about the NBA, they're like, oh, this is, you know, it's not physical enough. Everyone is flopping and stuff like that. And then they watch the Olympics and it's the basketball that they want to see. You know, it's more physical, less jump shooting and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but Team USA loses. So you're like, sure. but so it like fuels the fire of these people even more. They're like, is the NBA even that good? Like, this is this is why I don't watch the NBA. Yeah.
2: Is Evan Fournier actually better than Kevin Durant?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I
2: I still feel like they have a roster construction issue, but at the end of the day, like I, I, I would have a problem putting like de- deliberately putting role players on an Olympic team and saying like, you know, no thanks, Paul George, uh, you know, no thank you, Damian Lillard, but we're going to bring on, uh, you know, we're going to bring on Patrick Beverly and Jeff Green because we we need role players instead. Like I, like I, I, there's somewhere in the middle, I guess, where we can strike a balance. Um, and and team USA had a lot of success in, in 08 and in 12 when, you know, Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd as a veteran, those guys filled key roles, but it's like the talent advantage is just so massive that it doesn't make sense that it's possible for them to lose any games. Like I, I really don't get it. Like if, if any other country had just Durant and Lillard and filled it out with just, you know, random guys you've never heard of, like, wouldn't they be the favorites maybe other than team USA?
1: I think so. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to be like, you know, like you don't want to invite Lonzo ball or something like and in, in, ahead of Damian Lillard. Cause you're like, well, we need a guy who just like passes the ball around or whatever, or Mikhail bridges over someone else. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, well,
2: that's that's another kind of lazy argument I think you see is like, well, they don't have a true point guard. It's like, dude, Damian Lillard is an incredible shooter and could average ten assists per game if he wanted. Like, it's not like we have Russell Westbrook running point here. Like, if like if Damian Lillard's not good enough, then I don't know what to tell you.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. But we got to run um, NBA draft on Thursday night. James and I will do a pre draft pod that'll come out on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Did a mock draft today. Uh, Make sure you check out all of our draft content on rotowire.com. And again, we are presented by winbet, winbet winbet.com.